Hello and welcome to this special extra edition of Bullet Points. We're breaking our usual schedule to do a additional edition. I can't quite get my head around that because I thought I've said episode, I've said special, I've said extra. So what other words can I use to mean those things? I do I like it with I do like additional addition. Yeah. Additional addition. It's an addition, if you like, of the seminal <laughs> critical podcast about video games um the reason being that uh we have in our possession at last no man's sky from hello games and uh we want to we want to talk about it because there's a lot of opinions to be had and shared <laughs> uh regarding no man's sky i'm ed smith i'm the host as normal joining me is reed mccarter yep i'm i'm here as normal. Uh, absent this time, however, is Patrick Lindsay because he doesn't own a PlayStation 4, nor has he played the game on his PC. So we are joined by our very special guest, Gareth Martin. Gareth, hello. Hello. Uh, Gareth, you're a writer with Kill Screen, uh, but you also do some work with uh, fiction, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm a writer with Kill Screen, and I also do kind of procedural fiction and uh, performance work that uses uh, procedure. And I'm also a PhD student in uh, procedure and narrative in literature. So I have a lot of vested interest in procedure as a mode of expression or a creative tool. Well, you see, that's interesting. That's uh, a, a convenient dovetail into No Man's Sky. Uh, I imagine a lot of people listening to this will already know about the game uh, not just because they've likely played it but also because it's been the subject of a lot of hype for two or three years maybe longer now uh, but No Man's Sky is a exploration oriented game wherein you travel via spaceship or on foot across a vast 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 galaxy uh, I can't exactly remember what the amount of planets the game can sort of provide you is but it's uh, it's millions of millions it's it's endless it is endless more than any other game i think you could call endless this truly is endless and the sort of hook is that all of these planets their features their topography flora fauna animals even maybe the aliens you meet and things like this are generated procedurally they're not hand-picked and hand-placed by the game's designers uh, the game's designers have generated an algorithm which sort of, not consciously is obviously too grand a word, but puts together these things autonomously. Um, the idea being that basically you're exploring things that have never been seen by anybody, let alone other players, let alone the game's designers. Um, so that is an interesting prospect, and it's obviously why the game generated a lot of hype. Uh, I'm going to just throw to Gareth and then to Reed and ask for general opinions. Gareth, what did you think of No Man's Sky? Uh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So it's a. I mean, it's a pretty big topic. I, um, as people will see or can see from my review, uh, I really loved No Man's Sky um, for, I guess, um, lots of complicated reasons. But my main focus, I think, with the game was that I feel like it's a game that's preoccupied with the experience of um, of landscape, um, the kind of human experience of landscape, and I think that the, there's a kind of gamey frame around everything but but I think at its core there's this kind of idea of walking in landscapes engaging with landscapes um, as these strange things which can kind of be recombined, built, destroyed um, taken apart by this algorithm um, 
And I think it's interesting that, that Murray, Murray's kind of programming, Sean Murray's programming focus in the game, especially as he was also the face of the game and kind of the guy who came up with the idea in the first place, was uh, the procedure that generated the landscapes. Um, and so, in a way, I kind of see that as the key focus in the same way that The Witness um, was a kind of pursuit. Jonathan Blow's The Witness was a kind of pursuit of that eureka moment. He kind of went on and on about it being this this kind of pursuit of going through puzzles to get that moment when you're like, oh, I get it, and you have that kind of um, special moment of Eureka. I feel like No Man's Sky is a game built around the moment of discovery um, when you walk over the top of a hill and you see something uh, that you didn't expect or you couldn't foresee being there. Mm -hmm. Reed, what do you think? Yeah, um, I I am kind of... I don't know how to p- put this. I feel like I use this term to describe too many opinions, but if if there was a direct middle of of, of an axis between hating this game and, and thinking it's fantastic, I am sort of three quarters toward the fantastic way now. Um, when I when I first played it for the first I don't know three or four hours I was playing it, I I thought it was pretty bad. Um, I I just was not seeing it, but um, I, I think the big thing for me with this game is sort of what it means outside of itself as a game. Um, that's what I found myself appreciating more. I do like, you know, what Gareth was saying about, uh, you know, discovering these landscapes and wandering around um, and, and just observing what, whatever you're going to find in these strange spaces. But uh, I think the biggest thing for me is thinking about what this game represents as... Uh, something beyond what a human being could manually assemble or even manually explore. Um, the idea that human creativity coupled with this sort of ingenious technology, you know, I guess it's not ingenious, but this you know, technology used combining procedural creation with the baseline creativity of, of the vision for this game makes something beyond... Uh, what a single person could could make or explore uh, in their lifetime. I, I think that's fascinating when you talk about that applied to space and you know the the nearly infinite scope of our real world universe. And I, I find all of that kind of sucks me in. And there, yeah, I don't know. I, I'll I'm sure I'll get into sort of more nitty gritties of of the things that. Uh, still bother me within that context and things that I like within that context too well what I'd like to do really read is is sort of hand uh, the direction of the show over to you this time because uh, the, the the genesis for this episode was read you read something I'd written about No Man's Sky uh, and also the review that Gareth mentioned that he had written for Kill Screen uh, I think we've all read each other's work on it now and read you mm-hmm. sort of mentioned that it would be interesting to have Gareth and myself um, talk about the game because you you felt that we had quite conflicting not conflicting but you know um, well no I think uh, that yeah I, I guess I'll I don't know I'll lob stuff at you guys um, mm. see what you think because I think your views um, I guess maybe actually first it would be useful to if both of you wanted to kind of sum up your your basic viewpoints I mean Gareth kind of got to his with, with landscapes and everything but uh, what I thought was interesting, Gareth's review for Killscreen was um, 
his his talk of a lot of the stuff that Ed doesn't like as necessary framing for for this enormous game. So I don't know if you guys want to kind of sum up your your viewpoints and then we can kind of go from there. Sure, I can cover that that framing bit a bit. I think um so yeah, I think there's this gaminess, gaminess thing. I don't know if gaminess is a good word. I feel like I don't like it, but it's all I can think of right now. Um, that these structures, which are kind of recognizably present in, say, The Witcher 3 or something similar, of a kind of question mark locations of um, the kind of random but predictable rewards for repeated actions um, and the kind of buildings which are recognizable so you know what you're going to get when you see them from the air you know you're going to land there you're going to go to the drop pod you're going to get your inventory slot and then you're going to keep going i think these kind of structures um for me i understand that people's initial impression has been kind of to dislike these structures um and i understand why people are kind of disappointed by these structures in a way but i think they drive they're there to drive a kind of engagement because i think that um initially uh, there's a there's a kind of need in No Man's Sky to not let you just wander to to generate some kind of engagement with the game and they generate that engagement through what I call in the review rather than um, survival I think it's more like maintenance like a kind of constant maintenance of your position um, and but I think as the game goes on and I've kind of spent I think around sixty hours in it now I think probably twenty or thirty hours in you start to get to this point where you've um, you kind of these systems are not really not really important anymore. Uh, in some senses, like they're they're there, and I, like I've you you've done all the drop pods, or you know what you're going to get, or you've got loads of things that you want, and it comes down to what you want now. Um, and the game suddenly opens up. I feel like then the game is just you can wander, and the only reason to do anything. Some people, I guess, the game might end for them there, but for me, I felt like that's where the game begins, in the sense that it puts you all of through all of these systems to get you used to how its world works, but then at the end it just opens up and it says okay um the grind is over you're it's up to you to choose what direction you want to pursue in this world um and things will happen kind of around you i guess um so I, that that's kind of how i felt about this why i referred to it as framing um this kind of gaminess and these structures because i felt like they were kind of recognizable things that we see in other games that were there to uh, to drive engagement yeah yeah so but um the way ed approached in his it's a review it's a short review right ed Mm -hmm. um you kind of saw and and i think both these viewpoints are part of why i was interested in talking to both of you guys is because i feel both these things i think i probably slightly lean more toward gareth's side now um but you kind of looked at those same systems that gareth is talking about as uh, kind of, you know, shaping this experience and, and giving you um, sort of a guideline to, to figure out what you want to do. Um, whether you want to continue to do things or not is up to you after that point. But you see these same things as kind of sort of a more cynical kind of uh, just like engagement loop. I think you referred mm-hmm. to something about how it's kind of just, you know, massaging your reptilian brain. It's, it's saying... Mm-hmm do this to get this to do this to get this um and and keep enjoying that process um and and i think that's true as well so i don't know if you want to sort of sum up that viewpoint a little bit i'm worried that what i feel about no man's sky in in light of its size and i think the variety of opinions it's likely to 
calcifying people might sound flippant or facetious but I think it's a total waste of time I think that everything that you do in that game is a, a, a dispassionate and cold uh, video game action um, and I think that the the fact that it's procedurally generated it's a it's a technological wonder and it's it's impressive to think that this can be made and it can work as flawlessly as it does which isn't flawlessly as a matter of fact but to work as smoothly as it does um, is impressive but I think that it's a a game just abjectly deprived of of any wonder I feel like what what turns me on about games and and more broadly speaking movies and books and music is getting a sense of the person who made these things and getting a sense of stepping into somebody else's thoughts and experiences and perspectives and No Man's Sky is the antithesis of that I mean uh, I know that and I, Gareth I, I know that in your review you mentioned that um, Sean Murray the, the, the sort of central designer he had uh, a lot of sort of form- formative experiences exploring places on earth you know very uh, beautiful places on earth and I think that it, it could be argued that there is a trace element of you know his experience in there and and so on but it's it's so diluted and um so sort of diminished by the the machine like efficiency of something like no man's sky that i i just feel like i don't know what i'm doing when i play that game i'm i'm walking around images that have been created by a a, a dreaming computer um that may have been programmed to begin with by a person but they are so absent by this point they're so far removed not just by the generating algorithm but by the size of the game there's just such a emptiness such a kind of absence of of people and it's true as when you play it as well you don't meet any people particularly you you, you meet aliens but they even those are kind of bare facsimiles of of life they don't feel alive they feel very robotic and the processes of kind of learning about alien civilizations and learning their knowledge is done through clicking on computers and clicking on stones and things like plants are are boiled down to elements rather than life forms you look at a plant and rather than telling you i don't know how it photosynthesizes or how it lives it it's just called carbon or iron or platinum the game just feels to me so so dead I think it's the rare example of a game that is not just preoccupied with landscapes, which I always find dead, personally, myself. I always find that landscapes and nature are used by game developers as a way of um, sort of uh, it's making it seem as if they've got some sort of heart and some sort of emotional thrust and, and some sort of majesty, when in fact they've they've got very little to say at all. It's not just a game that is based around that precept. It's a game that through the way that it's created is missing people as well it's not just missing people when you play it's missing people when you look under the bonnet and yeah I I just struggle to be uh, sort of amazed by that in the way that the game seems to want me to be you know with the colours and the animals and the size and the music I I find it anything but amazing yeah and that's I I think that gets to some of the heart of, of what I wanted to talk about because I'm you know, usually on on this show and in general, I'm I'm drawn to linear um, linear narrative structures and to 
work that uh, very clearly shows, you know, a, a human element. But there, there's something about this that I, I feel like I'm the human element in this game, and I'm interacting with uh, an enormous machine. Um, but kind of what I wanted to talk about was the idea of the human element in in these sprawling, you know, sort of baldly technologically created worlds. And that's why I thought Gareth would have a because he yeah. argues it really, I think, really well in your review, and also because you are, you know, you have a lot of interest and expertise in proceduralism. Yeah, definitely. So I mean, you know, I obviously like to address uh, pretty directly, like your points, Ed, because uh, I think that. Um, while I agree with, and I agree, I think there's definitely agree with things like the uh, the plants, and I think there's definitely a level of systemization or um, everything is turned into an exchange uh, in the initial kind of relationship which you're given with it. You, you, everything is kind of treated like, okay. Uh, and it's easy to get trapped in that. Um, and I guess that's a failing of the game in some sense, but in my opinion, what's kind of high, what's behind that is enough to redeem it, and I find those systems fall away very easily. But I, I'd I'd kind of like to dig into this idea of procedure um, as being technological or inhuman or that No Man's Sky's kind of creation process is inhuman because um, for me personally, kind of my relationship with procedure is, a, is incredibly personal and relates very specifically to um, expression and to personal expression. Because um, I, I mean, I don't want to kind of go on too much about this, but I'll do a quick kind of praisey, which is that basically I came to procedural generation or procedural literature through um, a novel which I wrote in my first years living in London and um, kind of rewrote it multiple times and never knew what to do with it kind of felt um, at a loss with it um, kind of that I felt like I in a way I'd lost it by trying to put my thoughts into a kind of novelistic form a kind of traditional structure uh, five act structure three act structure whatever with protagonists and antagonists and all this kind of stuff they just lost all potency it just been completely robbed of it and i felt like that's i feel like in a way there's something that's a very inhuman process attempting to convert human uh human thought and human meaning and human feelings of expression into five act and three act structures i think the only reason we accept that uh, so readily is because we're used to it but um i think so i i actually a kind of a moment of desperation with this book started putting it into different algorithms to see what would come out and um, using kind of a particular combination of algorithms I found things emerging that felt like they were returning to that original um, expressive quality that the text had and I was re-encountering phrases that I'd used um, taken from this kind of 50-60,000 body of text uh, using an algorithm which essentially um, made a kind of grammatically correct it didn't know anything it essentially just takes um two words like once upon um, and then it finds every example of once upon in the text and it finds every example of the next two words and it chooses one of those at random and adds it on so you might get once upon a time but you might also get like once upon a whatever you know once upon a story or you might get I am a cat but you might get I am a dog you might get I am an anything because it's, it just works on that level and so it constructs these kind of weird um, grammatically correct jigsaws that are kind of nonsensical but actually reach at a kind of sense they pull things out of the text that were there that were present because you wrote it in and you intended things that, that come out and and for me it was like a process of re-encountering myself 
in the text. Somehow I, I found myself again in the text. Um, and since then, I've been working with Procedure and this algorithm and other algorithms, and I produced a performance, which was an hour-long reading of procedurally generated content, which I'd edited from this unfinished novel. Um, and soon I'm, I'm about to publish a novel-length version of the text, which is procedurally generated. Um, and I don't think I'll ever finish the unfinished novel. I kind of like this idea that it remains in this potent state of being unfinished. So in relation to No Man's Sky, um, I think that I don't think there's any reason that we should assume that procedures are inhuman or that they uh, are any more or less um, kind of personal than, a, than any other creative process. I think if you look at something like the placement of trees in No Man's Sky, um, there's, there's an incredible level of virtuosity to the uh, to the placement of trees in No Man's Sky. They're kind of clumped and combined in arrangements that um, when I've kind of found myself wandering around, I've always been amazed by how intentional they feel. They're, and that's because they're not randomly placed. And I think the word random is completely incorrect um, when you're talking about No Man's Sky because it, it's got nothing to do with randomness. It's built entirely out of uh, out of maths, which, you know, repeatable maths. That's why it can have a kind of consistent world that's not interconnected online. You know, that everyone sees the same things because two plus two is always four. Um, and so, in a way, like, the, the algorithms are just the tool. They're just a tool like any other tool to create this world. The, the reason why the trees are placed in that, that kind of incredibly uh, developed way of composition um, is entirely down to art director Grant Duncan or, or Sean Murray or um, Innes McKendrick or any of the other individual members of the team who worked on the algorithm and it's it's a small team um and i think that and the color you know the color theory it's a, i think it has some of the best knowledge of color theory i've uh, ever seen in the game which is a very specialist <laughs> interest of mine um as a designer but but it, it's there it, it, the planets are incredibly coherent from a from a color theory perspective the from arrangement perspectives i i think there's a in a way, I like to see, think of No Man's Sky as an investigation into landscape, an investigation into qualities of landscape. Um, and I think while there is emptiness, sure, in games with landscapes being kind of just used for wonder, and I think it's the kind of skybox effect, you know, like, yeah, let's just slap a walk over this hill and there's a great big skybox. Um, but in a way, the, the beauty of No Man's Sky is that there isn't always that skybox. So sometimes you walk over a hill and there's nothing, or sometimes you walk over a hill and you have to walk a little bit to the right to actually get the nice arrangement of things. Um, that to me really profoundly linked to my own experiences of growing up in in kind of landscapes in um, in the Lake District in England and in uh, the Orkney Islands in Scotland and a lot of time spent in those landscapes. I think No Man's Sky uniquely is a game I've never. I, it's no hyperbole to say I've never played a game before that for me got close as close um, as those experiences to those experiences as that game. So I feel there is kind of for me a powerfully personal thing that runs through there that I feel like I'm definitely communicating with those people who made those decisions um, and use those tools hmm. what do you think Ed well I don't doubt the mathematical firmness or the, the presence of human beings when it came to creating the algorithm that created No Man's Sky uh, but I think that perhaps that's precisely what I find troubling about it, is that it's a world based on numbers and based on sums and computation, whereas my relationship with reality and with uh, perambulation and going for a walk is the opposite. And I think that the, the, the notion of exploration rests on 
randomness is definitely not the right word, Gauss right, but rests on uh, a, a sort of freedom that I think is is diminished by an algorithm. It seems absurd to me to think that uh, like true creativity, creativity in a sort of unbridled, unfettered sense can exist in a game that is so heavily dictated by a series of preordained equations it just doesn't fit to me it doesn't seem right i mean i but but what do you mean by by preordained because I, I think that's the really important point is that you're giving agency to the to the computer or to the maths and maths and computers don't have agency only humans have agency so they're preordained by people um you know in the same way that a hammer is preordained to be a hammer by a person um for the for the job it is needed to be used for you know this is why i use the, the phrase tools but I mean, it's it is given agency. I mean, the, the the game runs wild with its own imagination, imagination that's created by a person. But the game is still running itself. You know, once you start that game up, it's no longer uh, in the hands of a creator. It's it's making itself up as it goes along. It's not conscious and it doesn't have agency in the conventional sense. But it's certainly building something for you, as opposed to a person who is building something for you. They they have built something which will build something for you. They're removed from this process. Well, by a couple of steps. Yeah, I see. This is one. Of the... And just, 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 just to sort of just one more thing I was going to say is that I, I also grew up in the kind of rural areas of, um, of England and and places like Cornwall and, and Wales. And to me, the the experience of exploring those landscapes by foot, um, was was not replicated at all. You know, I didn't get any sense of of what I had felt during those times when I was playing No Man's Sky because. Uh, I, I thought No Man's Sky was so dead. It was a, it was a, such a deadened game. It was a game that was just so constantly reminding me of the presence of numbers and algorithms and sort of um, science. You know, not just in the sense that I was conscious of the fact I was walking around something that had been created by a sort of GPU or whatever, but just through looking at things and saying this is worth ten points, this is worth fifteen points that thing over there is 612 meters away it felt like i um i don't know i actually don't know what it felt like to be honest i can't quite put it into words but it certainly didn't feel like walking around and exploring something in the way that i think the game is trying to make you feel i don't i didn't feel um enraptured by it at all i felt very conscious of the fact that i was in a video game as opposed to in a world hmm. well I, I think um, <clears throat> kind of, you know, I, I don't, I, I think the conversation will fall apart when it comes to a point of this is, you know, personal, highly personal responses to a work of art. But I think one of the things I always get stuck on, and I, I've talked to you about this before, Gareth, is um, about the idea of proceduralism. And I think this is kind of what Ed is saying, too, is... Um, once I, I agree that you know the the human has agency in in putting the parts together, you know, uh, in No Man's Sky, say creating the. Um, I, I'm not even going to try to <laughs> pretend to understand the baseline knowledge, but putting together, you know, the the assets and the and the formulae governing governing um, placement of objects, the composition of of a planet. Um, but once it's done that, uh, once the humans have have done that and it's kind of let loose, 
you know it then it can become impersonal it can it can start to feel uh, removed you know when, when the direction is taken away it can feel more technological than than uh, I don't know organic organically governed and directed but I imagine you have Gareth a different viewpoint on that which yeah, I'd be I mean, curious I, about. I guess so I think this is a yeah, it's a tricky it's a tricky thing really. But I think you know one one thing is we are talking about games here, so we're talking about things which are literally built from numbers. Like every single game is built from numbers and maths. So there is no there's no escaping that as a as a base. And if that's kind of troubling, I guess then that's troubling for all games. Um, but then I think there's a there's a kind of secondary thing here which is about process. Um, and I think process is more. Or, or can be more authentic to experience than um, didactic, uh, linear storytelling. Not to say that the didactic, linear storytelling um, is not, it's not able to reach experience, it obviously can, but uh, I think it also requires experience to be modified to, to match it. Um, yeah. And so, it, 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 you know, in an, because we think of our memories in kind of novelistic filmic terms, um, we can read novels and kind of subsume those memories and you know I, I think there's a process there, a huge cultural process that's been running you know since the beginning of culture really about how we want to tell stories um, and I think uh, process is, is particularly potent in relation to landscape because a landscape is a process a landscape's not you know it, it exists entirely because of a process uh, it's a process of erosion of, of growth of, of huge processes and tiny processes of the you know the the, the kind of pattern of lichen uh, of lichen on a on a rock is in itself formed it's entirely procedural uh, it, it's and in, it, there are arguments you know there are definitely uh, uh, physicists out there who would say that that's a, entirely a, the realm of maths um, mm-hmm. like the the process and 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 that's that's coming from maths so I, I don't know if I I'm definitely not so empirically minded perhaps but I think there is uh, in No Man's Sky I think there is a kind of authenticity to landscapes which form from process um, but there is also a kind of wonderful inauthenticity to, to a lot of the No Man's Sky landscapes because they're kind of insanely human because they're based off um, the kind of bizarreness of book cover, science fiction book covers and also the kind of you know the, the kind of imagined landscapes really um, you know, they're not based off real landscapes. I mean, they're based off kind of weird mutant memories and ideas of real landscapes. So cactuses that have been kind of mutated to make them look different ways and um, and rocks that kind of grow in unlikely patterns that sit somewhere between man-made and mach- and kind of process-made. Um, so I think this, this idea of, to me, the idea of a landscape formed by a process is far more profoundly in touch with uh, how real landscapes are formed than it is with... Uh, a designer sitting there and sculpting um, by by hand a landscape which will be viewed from a single perspective, like in, let's say in something like Destiny, you know, where you have these kind of incredible landscapes and incredible skyboxes and kind of, uh, you know, and they have a, an obvious effect, like uh, an obvious effect of awe and wonder when people play them, you know, even if we not everybody experiences those, I think generally people do, and generally people are really impressed and they post on forums and things, this kind of highly manufactured sense of awe and wonder, and um, I like that No Man's Sky allowed me to uh, to have that experience myself um, of landscapes that were processes. And I guess the, the other thing that I'd add to that is that um, my father is a landscape photographer and I grew up um, doing a lot of landscape photography um, and relating to landscape through photography. And I think that's 
a very personal thing that's connected to No Man's Sky, but that's something that is there, which is that the, you know, a landscape is this kind of processed arrangement of forms, you know, and it doesn't have a, a compositions. And yet I found the kind of one of the most enjoyable things about No Man's Sky was the way it mirrored that process of taking landscape photographs, which is to apply a frame or a um, or a, a kind of composition to a hmm. a kind of uncomposed form yeah. or a or a kind of partially composed form or a form that was composed by processes that are not under your direction. Um, uh, but I, you know, I, I will admit that most of what I'm talking about here is kind of extracurricular No Man's Sky activity. You know, uh, that, that in a way. Of definitely for a long time the game locks you into typically gamey systems um, and I think there's a space for critiquing those systems for sure but I think to block out the distinct and I think powerful qualities of No Man's Sky based on the fact that um, that it subsumes itself to s- systems that we can see in almost any game that you can pick up off a, off a mainstream shop shelf um, I think is missing something I think is missing the particular qualities of this of this game and what it achieves well, Ed, um, to kind of bounce off that, you do note in your review there is there is a line something about um, and correct me if I'm wrong. It's something about uh, if if those systems were removed, you know, this game might feel more kind of authentic or more, you know, sort of like a pure expression of a vision than 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 what you got from it. Do you think if uh, if if it was just a matter of here's this in- infinite ship never requires refueling or repair uh, you're going to planets and just sort of walking around until you know you've you've decided it's time for you to move on and you're just traveling you know constantly traveling toward say the center of a galaxy where it just ends and the whole point is just to look at things would would that kind of rehabilitate some of what what you find lacking in this no, because I think that as soon as you make a game that is principally concerned with the looking at of landscapes, uh, you've made a game that is, personally for me at least, sort of arid and um, one note. Um, but to say, talk about the, the kind of removal of systems, I think that something Gareth said there is that you know all, all video games are... <coughs> Uh, they're called numbers-based, same as all films are camera-based or music is instrument-based. But I don't think that many games have kind of foregrounded their own base in systems the way that No Man's Sky has, not just when you play it, in as much as it is constantly telling you different numbers relating to different items and also constantly feeding you these landscapes that pop in in front of your eyes, but also in the fact that in its pre-release period what was talked about so consistently was its ability to procedurally generate and the fact that it was based on an algorithm and its size. You know, this is a game where it's impossible to ignore the mechanisms going on underneath. Um, In regards to landscape and, I guess, verisimilitude, I don't go into a video game wanting to experience a landscape which makes me think it is a real landscape. I'm not there for a simulation of an actual place. Uh, Personally, if I want to go and see an actual place I would prefer to go and see the actual place what I want to have in a video game is landscape used for something more than just idle representation I find kind of representation and recreation some of the most dull impulses 
in artwork. I want something that is saying something else other than this is a genuine place. So the algorithm which creates landscapes in No Man's Sky to me is simply creating landscapes. Whereas if you've got you know a level in something like even Call of Duty and you can see that there's this item has been deliberately placed by a person next to this item in the level, I wonder why and what does that say maybe about the level or the characters or anything else that's going on in the game. Um, I'm trying to think of a, a really good example, but um, it, they're not coming to me quite as we speak. I probably should have prepared one in my mind before we started talking. But I, I certainly think that architecture and landscape design in video games... Uh, same as like set design in theatre or movies should serve a, 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 a bigger purpose than just recreation. I think about the levels maybe in the Hitman games um, which are, are really poor representations of, of real places in as much as you are surrounded by people but you can't hear anything that they're saying or that the levels are, are much smaller um, than they ought to be in real life. But they say something about the the character whom you're playing. You know his his removal from other people or his uh, unfamiliarity with sort of human surroundings. And that to me is a a, a more <laughs> optimistic idea of level design. You know to to kind of intellectualize and and make academic No Man's Sky is is very tempting because it's an interesting technological property that is doing a lot of interesting technological and sort of thought experiment kind of things but I still find it heartless I think Reed, you talked to me about it when we were playing it at the same time you said you know you're interested as a in it as a kind of installation you know as a experiment probably not quite the right word but um, Insta- and, 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 uh, installation, an example is, of something right. yeah and yeah that- yeah so a, a, a sort of artifact of sorts right mm-hmm. um, and I I can see it from that point of view I can see its appeal to theories of photography, theories of mathematics, theories of what it means to yeah, you know, theories of like formalism, things like prop or whatever. Um, I understand it in relation to those things, but but those things are not uh, kind of magical in the way that No Man's Sky would like you to think that it is. Those things are dispassionate and academic, um, whereas No Man's Sky is trying to kind of be. Yeah, organic was a word you used before, Reed. But also, yeah, I mean, the, the the tone of that game is, you know, wow. That's that's the tone of the game, is is look at the size, look at the colours, wow. But everything else about the game, from the way you play it to the way that it's made, to the way that it's made for you in front of your eyes, is here is how this works in kind of block capitals. And th- that conflict, I think, is, is kind of unresolvable. Huh. See, I, I wonder... Um, and, and I'm curious, Gareth, what you would say to this. And, and you know, I, I spoke to, or I was typing to Gareth in Slack about this at one point. Uh, about sometimes I feel like, because it's true, I find I appreciate this game the more time I spend with it. But my appreciation for it is always, like Ed was saying, it's always sort of intellectual. It's it's never. Um, I don't feel, and, and I'm sure this is a personal thing because I, I don't doubt people, like Gareth included, who would have an emotional reaction to a landscape. But for me, it's it's more uh, head than heart playing this game um, and sort of thinking about humanity, thinking about the vastness of the universe, thinking about 
the sort of creation of art. Um, but I, I wonder if if that's a limit on because Gareth, you made that really good point about you know we've our brains I think have been trained by you know the the entirety of human history almost uh, uh, since the start of humans creating narratives that we crave this structure uh, this level of linearity um, to to how we experience things if that is sort of inborn or if it's I don't know I feel like I'm trailing off here yeah and I'm no 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 I can I can talking pick up around I mean, I think... this. I, I think I know what you, you know what you're saying. I think that the yeah I I think I mean I should issue a correction because that's kind of a Eurocentric, massively Eurocentric view um, that narrative is kind of historically linear five act structure is actually like this is a kind of uh, colonial Eurocentric dominant uh, position really because there are of course in the history of narratives like associative cloud narratives narratives which move in all kinds of different ways. But which, um, sorry, before you go on because I'm selfish yeah. and personally interested. I was thinking back to like Gilgamesh, you know. What, what are you thinking before that, or or other, you know, non-European? Yeah, I mean, even just the, the I'm just like kind of shamanic um, theatrical rituals and things like this, which which you know the first narratives were were kind of narratives of of magic and um, uh, you know narratives of um, things like puppetry and um, and theater and this idea that one person is, is imbued through narrative is imbued with a kind of symbolic power um i think that's kind of an early early use of narrative in an interesting way uh, also narrative as sense making um which i perhaps is, is more of the, the trend that that we're talking about here uh-huh. but i think you know really i mean it's a massive subject and i don't want to kind of plod through it um without kind of proper references but um, I think what I'm talking about, I guess, is yeah, it's like this kind of more recent, um, and it's actually really obsessive in the in I would say contemporary culture, um, because uh, there's been resistance to it. You know, you you can look back a hundred years, uh, uh, kind of the birth of modernism, with Dada and um, surrealism, and their interest in breaking away from linear narrative structures, um, and I think it's telling that those works. Um, are still kind of shocking now to people. They're still people still kind of are turned off straight away by looking at them, mm. um, even though they're a hundred years old. So the idea that this is something that the kind of breaking out of these narrative structures is something new, um, I think is is definitely wrong. Like these 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 things have existed for a while, um, and they're definitely part of certain movements. But to be I guess to be more specific um, here, I think there is a sense that um, the, the bias towards um, towards linearity and i think there's a there's a strength in games um a quality which is called emergence which i see as the one of the strongest aspects of games as an art form um which is the the creation of um event through the interaction of systems uh, i think people who would talk about emergence are people like kind of harvey smith um so a game like dishonored which kind of has this high level of systemic emergence the idea is that situations are created by the kind of combination of systems but in a in a very linear sense there in a very systemic sense there's also kind of narrative emergence um in like recently rimworld's been really popular um has huge levels of kind of narrative emergence uh, roguelikes obviously relate very strongly to emergence in games um, and i think there's a there's a kind of movement in alt games to um to try and pursue this pursue this kind of non like this thing that's more interesting than whether one guy puts a thing next to another thing in a level 
and is way more interesting because it's about the creation of um, a set of conditions from which um, experience might emerge or even art might emerge rather than creating this thing that we, we stick up there and we say, well, that's definitely art. We, we create a series of conditions um, from which something interesting might emerge. And I think like that's been proven over and over again in No Man's Sky for me. Not that No Man's Sky is a particularly great example of this. You know, I, I, there's a lot more kind of sophisticated stuff going on elsewhere. And yet I've never found an examination of, of landscape um, as not just a visual. I don't think landscape, to, landscape is not a visual space. It's a, it's a space you walk in. It's a it's a grammar of walking. It's a it's a language of walking. And I think, you know, the walking speed in No Man's Sky, the fact that the base movement speed is walking. And if you actually try walking around in No Man's Sky, the kind of every footstep is actually, you know, camera shook in the uh, in the avatar, you know. There's a, there's a definite sense of wanting to engage with landscapes through walking in the game, even if that's kind of sacrificed through systems. So I think this this kind of idea of emergence occurs in No Man's Sky. And I've had lots of moments where you know, I kind of recount one in the review where I found a kind of microscopic species of animal at the top of a mountain that's the last species on a planet. And that kind of blew my mind um, because I didn't see it coming and because it emerged out of strange systems. And if that had been intended, I would have been pissed off. You know, I would have been pissed off to have spent, uh, you know, two hours on a planet uh, kind of digging around looking for the last species um, it's just the because some saying, dude had come up you. with a yeah with this like terrible idea right like yeah. bad game design essentially but no one made me find that last species and when I found it I, I felt in a way like a kind of there is a kind of um, camaraderie with the developer in that sense because in a sense you're both struggling with the same the same system here you know there's a kind of interesting intersection happening there where you kind of you feel like they would laugh at that too they would they would kind of find that interesting because that's something that's emerged out of their um, their pursuit of something and uh, I don't know I, I think any game that can create that kind of high level of emergence um, I think it, it, it's true that there's some sadness that No Man's Sky is, is collared to completely unemergent systems but I think in a way those are signposts to guide people to the emergence you know those question marks are designed to to drag people out of their ships and get them walking through that landscape and get them running into uh, these emergent moments uh, yeah I have two things to say, I think, about emergence. The, the, the first is um, it's always struck me as a way for people to kind of wash their hands of any conviction and to kind of let the game take over and, and kind of make the art for them um, and to dilute their presence and um, allow people to, to, to ask their own questions and do their own thing. And I think that one of the sort of central qualities of literature is potency and is is conviction and is is presence of author or at least presence of intent now that doesn't mean that uh the author is alive and that we should always kind of adhere to what the person who made this thing says about it but if i get the sense that somebody is just not present then it, it begins to feel to me like they've abandoned it and why shouldn't i so emergence to me for one feels like a way to keep games sort of tethered to, to technology and to, and to make them into technological objects as opposed to ones that have the kind of moxie to actually uh, say something. The second thing about emergence is I think that it panders to one of the basest instincts in the video gaming audience, which is selfishness. I think that emergence is a sugar-coated way for us to continue to do what we've always wanted to do in games, which is what we want to do in games. Um, I think that we have reached a point now where 
games makers feel as if what we're doing in games isn't just idle and masturbatory it's, it's in somehow service to the creation of potential art but it's still the same process of we're just doing what we want and again what I feel about credible art and credible literature is it's something that challenges your sense of self it challenges your ideas about the world it perhaps makes you feel a little smaller than when you first started reading it or watching it or playing it or listening to it Mm -hmm. Um, whereas video games and emergence in particular are the opposite they give you such a a large amount of kind of input and control that it's it's um, it's a it's a massage for the audience. Um, and the other thing is that I don't I don't find emergence, regardless of scale, particularly new and exciting. It's something that I think games have been doing now for decades. I think that hitting the ball into the top left as opposed to top right corner in pong is emergence. I think that jumping or not jumping on one of the enemies in Mario is emergence. I can think of myriad examples from games that I played in the 1990s that would qualify as emergently narrative or narratively emergent. Um, perhaps just on a, on a less drawn-to or uh, kind of self-aware scale. You know, I think that all that's changed really is that games have started to let you know that they are being emergent, not that the kind of pr- process of emergence has, has necessarily grown in much sophistication. Um, I just prefer and am more heartened by and have more respect for a creator and a writer who has gall, who, who is able to sort of say, no, you know, this is this is not for you to just do what you want. I, I can have a, a, a relatively large amount of freedom in, in my life. When I sit down and, and play or read something, I want to have a, a, a pretty much a, a slightly prescribed experience. You know, I, I want to feel as if I, I am being led through something. Um, not necessarily by the nose, not to the extent of, you know, a, a, an extremely linear game, but I, I certainly want to feel like I've not just been let off the leash because that that is a cop-out. That's that's just, you know, what what is this thing at that point? I mean, I, I don't fear it. I don't misunderstand it. I, I, I get what it's supposed to be. But it doesn't seem to me like any of those things. It doesn't seem to me like a, a, a great combination of creator, system, and audience. It just feels to me like a, like gaseous, um, hmm. which is exactly how I describe No Man's Sky. So, um, so I think if I can, there's a couple of things I want to I want to jump in on there, if that's okay. Yeah, of mm-hmm. course. Yeah, I'm done. So um, I guess this, you know, I, I'm definitely not saying emergence is new. In fact, I'm saying the the total opposite. Um, I agree with you, emergence, but it's much older than that. You know, I, I think a great example of emergence is chess. Um, chess continues to be played now because of emergence. Um, but I don't think you can do anything in chess. Uh, I think chess is a is a very intelligent set of systems that are expressive systems. And I think chess, playing chess, tells you a lot of things about how those systems work and how systems work um, and how systems dictate expression and rules and all kinds of interesting things. But chess is definitely emergent. Otherwise, uh, we wouldn't be playing it. You know, the, the, the kind of the, the mathematical power of something like a knight's move, you know, the, the kind of knight's move, which has become synonymous with the idea of a kind of um, surprising or incongruous shift um, comes from a very simple rule, which is, you know, three forward, two across. Um, but that rule dictates a, a huge amount of things and has a huge expressive potential. 
And I think uh, emergence, finding emergence in games now is about games refinding what games are good at. I think I think your view of, of what games might become I actually find really depressing um, because I think it's just a repetition. I, I think it's telling that you said literature because um, I think it's just a repetition of, of kind of ideas of literature that were put forward um, by kind of high modernist writers like T.S. Eliot who were interested in being the schoolmaster to the audience of children um, and telling them what the way the world was um, and sitting them all down and here it is, this, this is my judgment on society as it is. Um, something that was dominated you know, by a kind of uh, exclusively white male um, group that specifically were pursuing this thing um, and, and you know which you compare to kind of the modernism of someone like Gertrude Stein in, in literature who was creating these kind of strange repetitive repeating constructions that allow the reader a kind of space to form meaning um, their own meaning uh, that isn't kind of intended or uh, placed on them or argue, argued to them um, and you know that, that kind of runs through procedural rules and runs through playing with language I think there's a for me I'm far more attracted to that openness I'm a far more attracted to this uh, this idea that that systems are are kind of open playful things that we can engage with but they're also expressive acts you know my, my work is absolutely contingent on the idea that I that you can express things through rule sets and systems mm-hmm. um because they're about choosing what's in and what's out. They're, they're about defining things. They're not about everything. And I think there, I, I understand what you're saying, and I, I, t- I totally see it, because I think No Man's Sky has been yoked to this kind of horrible video game thing of, like, go anywhere, do anything, which I, I agree is, is a kind of intellectual black hole, you know? You, you will never come... <laughs> games, if they just pursue forever, just doing everything, going anywhere, uh, they'll never, never say anything about anything, because they'll be inter- interested only in kind of features and anything that isn't a feature is a bug um, but I think that that's not what games are and I, I think when I kind of play interesting games which are using Emergence now uh, you know I, I kind of an amazing game I just started playing is Inflorescent City which I really recommend uh, Lawrence Schmidt um, that you know it's a kind of strange procedural world of a, of a map and you kind of explore this map and all these, these kind of procedurally generated um Pro, uh, proverbs appear and kind of odd objects and and it, it works through the the combination of these rules to create things which en- encounter each other but you encounter them as well and you're active within this process and I think that's that's really exciting and um, I think that relates to other art histories apart from literary art history including performance art history and um, uh, you know kind of also sections of literature and also sections of film and sections of theatre and I think there is there's if we just see um, video games as some as as having their end point in in you know that kind of Citizen Kane of video games that that kind of it's uh, committing to its its integrity and it's telling us this strong uh, canonized story then I, I just think that's as much of a dead end as the go anywhere do anything and for me that's that's not video games that's literature that's you know you can find that that exists well I wonder well I think oh. I I think that it's it's not all or nothing uh, I, I don't think that what I'm talking about is um, the sort of schoolmaster dynamic. And I don't think that interpretation or or sort of effectuation on a personal basis need necessarily come from emergent, playful systems. I think that it can happen mentally. I think that that's probably the, the, the key problem that I have, is that an, an emergent game, uh, what you're 
expressing your self-expression usually comes from like a, an action from something that you physically do in the game as opposed to something that you think it's not like an analytical process it's simply an act of of doing and going and seeing what happens if i you know push this peg into this hole as opposed to necessarily reflecting on it i don't think also that uh, a, a linear game or a game that has as you describe it a, a canonized worldview is immune to uh, playfulness is immune to interpretation is immune to analysis is immune to um, sort of uh, malleability for the audience I mean something like The Last of Us is a very straightforward game that has a, a, a story that you can describe in a paragraph but from playing it you get a, a whirlwind of different emotional responses you get a lot of different people feeling a lot of different things about that game so I don't think that a, a linear game or a game that isn't rooted in these immer ideas of emergence and, and kind of physical and active interpretation is necessarily a more depressing or a sort of closeted or rep uh, repetitive kind of game. I don't think that any video game is copying a book, no matter how linear, because you're doing it. You're, you're moving the character yourself, right? just because the, the the story is told in a kind of A to B or three or five act structure doesn't necessarily belong to the world of literature. I think that that's just not true at all. Um, you know, games stand on and uh, apart from other media simply by interactivity. Um, I mean, you get interactive art installations, you get books that are, you know, I don't know, pick your own adventures or whatever, but they're, they're not the same kind of interactivities you find in a in a video game um, yeah. so I, I, yeah, I, I, I disagree I don't, I don't think that linearity or, or lack of a, an emergent world or sort of playfulness even necessarily means that games are doomed to copy forever uh, I think that there's plenty of examples of a linear straightforward game which feels unlike something you could experience if you're reading a book or watching a film I can think of several examples um, my, my point would be that those are, those are there is emergence that you know in the last of us that the emergence is not a thing it's something does or doesn't have but it's an inherent factor of interactivity so that when you're fighting three ai opponents in the last of us um i think that game has a in its combat has an incredibly high level of emergence because you have a lot of different tools and what? you have different ai fighting against you and i think that's what creates that engagement it creates that experience that as you said feels not like linear media otherwise the last of us is just a, a kind of Tetris with cutscenes, you know. It, well, it's precisely. Um, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, that it isn't all or nothing. What I what I find a turn off. What I don't like is a game like No Man's Sky, which is it feels almost like a hundred percent emergence and zero percent any of the qualities that I think are possessed by a game like The Last of Us. Um, but I'm probably equally as disinterested in a game where all you do is you know click left click when it tells you to. And then the game is over because that isn't, that's like turning the pages of a book. That's something that isn't necessarily uh, a video game. So, what bothers me about emergence is this idea that kind of pure emergence, emergence simply as it stands, like unfettered, distilled, crystalline emergence, simply emergence creates a video game or creates something meaningful or creates something kind of magisterial. Because I don't think that's true. I think that you need a, a emergence and also somebody there guiding it. I don't think that you know artistic intent can exist purely by itself but also that emergence can't exist purely by itself and No Man's Sky feels way way too far 
towards just emergence to me to really mean much. Hmm. I don't know. At, at a certain point, I wonder if if it becomes spinning wheels when it gets. Um, I I don't think when both of you were mentioning kind of endpoints and and as I believe both of you said, I, it isn't either or, right? Um, it, it isn't all video games have to be, um, you know, focused primarily on on uh, emergence or on sort of you know traditional uh, literary storytelling. But I, I think um, one of the problems is that, to me at least, neither sort of side has has reached a level of yeah, I hate to say maturity because it's whatever it's not fair but uh, of professionalism of expertise maybe that we've seen the best or, or not even the best but uh, sterling examples of of these different forms these different processes um, I I still get really excited about taking old you know presumably tired forms uh, like you know the the film based on the novel, you know, sort of reinterpret into a game that entire structure, um, and finding the ways that basic interactivity wrinkles that um, the telling of a story uh, of a traditional story. Um, so, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know if we end here because it it's difficult at a certain point to. At a certain point, you end up kind of talking about what your values are in in narrative, it, right? In in art. If I was going to close on something, I think it's it's something I meant to mention in response to what you said, Reed, earlier when you said that No Man's Sky feels more head than heart, um, and that I think is probably the best summary for it. I think it's interested in its own creation and the processes of its own creation rather than much broader but uh, I, and it to me it's this kind of self-interested i think in a way that games have been kind of woefully self-interested since whenever uh, yeah i don't entirely agree but Garrett. so i guess if i was going to make make a yeah a kind of last point uh to counter that or to to kind of expand or i guess uh, maybe close what i think about uh, the kind of fundamentally about No Man's Sky is um, I think this kind of I think the, the one thing that's really important to me that I think is you know I've noticed is the use of the word technological as a uh, as a negative you know in relation to this game repeatedly um, and in that relationship to this idea of, of head and heart um, and I think if this is this if tr- this truly is what's happened then then this is where procedural or conceptual processes fail I think um, definitely if we if the the reason why we look at kind of conceptual art or things which have um, kind of conceptual focus or have procedural elements is because they're a kind of intellectual game is uh, I think that's a that's not an end point that's definitely um, kind of a dead end to me but I, when I think of conceptual art and when I think of uh, things made using processes I think of people like John Baldessari or uh, uh, people who use systems to make things like, um, you know, I'm going to blow a, a series of uh, smoke rings 
out of my mouth and I'm going to take photographs of all of them and I'm trying to make smoke rings that look like a look like a mountain or like smoke looks like a mountain it's just one, one conceptual art piece you know that that sounds like a kind of cold intellectual game um, doesn't it you know someone just kind of blowing these things taking pictures but in a way it has a huge sense of humor it has a um it says things about the world it says things about um mm-hmm. about interpretation and it, I, I think it engages with some really exciting and, and interesting things that i find personally very exciting that are not just about the intellectual game but they're also about the experience of looking um and the experience of of being there and i think my work and no man's sky is contingent on the idea that procedural works do have value as um, experiences as narrative experiences um and i think that's that's how they they justify their existence but they won't justify their existence through um adherence to traditional narrative structures but i think there are kind of new narrative structures present in things like no man's sky uh narrative structures which which um rely on emergence but but also kind of um rely on on the closing down of possibilities you know no one's guys people say it's wide and shallow I, i'd say it's incredibly focused it only offers one kind of view of landscape in my opinion one kind of interest in color in in form in in the way that you engage with those landscapes i, I don't think it's wide at all in comparison to something like sussis and it's insanely focused i think that the scale of it is a is a is a kind of false thing to point at because that's just the number of combinations that exist of a number you know it doesn't i think they were probably wrong i understand why they do it to point at 18 quintillion planets all the time they want to sell the game i understand that um but i think that's just a that's just a that's meaningless number you know that's a number that comes from that's the amount of combinations of a 64 digit seed um you know that that's all of those numbers are not interesting if you just read them write them on a sheet of paper and read them out you know but uh i guess the counterpoint to that is if you sit in a room um, and somebody reads out those numbers, those 18 quintillion numbers, um, you know, six hours a day for the rest of their life and you, you sit there, then I think the experience you have um, there in that room um, with those, that person reading out those numbers is not, uh, is not just as simple as a cold mathematic intellectual thing. I think it's an experience and I think it's a narrative and uh, it doesn't mean it's a good experience or a good narrative, but I think it says something. Um, and I, uh, I'm interested in that. I'm really, really interested and invested in that as a, as a way of moving forward. And I think No Man's Sky builds on that kind of framework, um, an incredibly focused idea of, uh, of one group of one very small group of people's idea of what wonder and landscape uh, might be. Hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with with that kind of assessment i think um yeah i I think that's that's kind of why i was maybe thinking of drawing this to a close because when you get to a point where if ed is saying this isn't engaging me on you know he's not getting an emotional impact from this example of of this style of of design um and gareth you're saying that you are you know then then we're kind of I don't think that's interesting because then you're kind of just butting heads on on you know something that is so unique to a person and and sort of what they react to you know aesthetically and everything um but yeah I I will say that there there is something to this I think there depends what you have to bring into it but I think uh 
just the the scale of this of this thing I, I don't think is besides the point I think it's I, I think the the vast you know the, the fact that I could play this game every waking hour until my dying day and not see all of it is is a statement is a uh, is is saying something about where our limits lie as as human beings and what experimentation with uh, technology with our with our intellectual processes with with our the way that we create art um, we can transcend beyond our biology that we can be bigger and and you know as create things that are as you know similar in size and you know enormity as the universe that we live in um, that we can never fully see and I think that's there's something to that. There's there's something to this game, and I don't think it's very easy to dismiss for a lot of those reasons. Um, I think. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Just I was just wrapping my, up. My. I I don't have much of a personal investment in No Man's Sky or or in video games generally. You know, I don't. I I I've been asked I think before on this show. You know, what what would you like to see from games? And I think what I'd like to see is a world wherein games don't ask me that question you know where they just do what they want to do um but what i think of no man's sky is it's an experiment and a display of a technology and b uh understanding and subversion of narrative and narrative theories and i understand the kind of academic mental value of that i also understand how um, you know, just the the willingness to experiment with those kind of things is perhaps rooted in like uh, you know in a more human or in a, in a in a heart-based experience. I can understand why people want to do those things and and how it might be rooted in their own lives and etc. Um, but if I was to place No Man's Sky, you know, not in a personal what it means to me or, or what it, it makes me think of context and just kind of think about it in relation to where video games are at. I think that we've just had so many games that have been aware of and either <clears throat> consciously made note of or subverted narrative theory and also a lot of video games that have made a display of their own technological prowess. So I just I don't know what it's done. You know what I mean? I don't I don't I understand what you're saying, Reed. I mean it gives us a something that we can't possibly explore in our lifetimes, right? But we also can't possibly explore the universe in our lifetimes. Well I know, that's so, that's the correlation that I find. Yeah. So I mean but it's I mean that that just I don't know, is that no, I, I yeah, I just I, I I don't know what it's I don't know what it's done. I don't I don't know what's exciting about it. Everything this is like the 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 worst game reviewers cliche in the world. But everything is done has been done before, as far as I can see. You know, we've had games that have tinkered with narrative. We've had games that have been technologically impressive for X Y Z reason, and we've had games that are large, perhaps beyond not our lifetimes, but certainly the the amount of time one would reasonably commit to a, a single game or book or whatever. Um, so I don't well, I'm, I, quite understand. I think I'd, I'd be with you to to a large extent on on that assessment in terms of I, you know, as we've talked about on the show, it's I, I think there's so much that's not being 
done in certain certain uh, schools of design in, in games in there when you look at traditional mainstream structures and I don't think this is ever an either or you know I, I think there's every you know the best stuff is going to come from people chasing what they find interesting um, mm. and uh, I think we are at at current we're kind of you know in a place where some of our most the people who have chased what they find the most interesting have been a lot of uh, people with very sort of scientific minds um, people who are gifted at math and, and science and programming um, I think there's a lot to be rung still and, and this is my personal area of interest in video games is sort of seeing how they uh, can play with and and try to understand traditional literary form you know, traditional filmic form maybe uh, because I'm still, you know I guess in, in, I find all this stuff very interesting in a lot of ways and I'm still someone who wants to read you know, a, a a modernist novel you know that's kind of who I am at the end of the day even though I am endlessly fascinated by uh, non-traditional forms of expression avant-garde expression um, yeah I, I don't know is Gareth do you want to say anything else I this feels like it's been such a conceptual kind of show but I think that's where you end up when you talk about these things I think that's what the that's what the game provokes really isn't it I mean, I, I still, yeah, I still hold down to this fact that I think it, if it, that's the only thing it provokes, it fails. I think, uh, I think, uh, if that's the only thing that conceptual or procedural art can evoke, it fails. And obviously, doing a PhD in um, procedure and narrative, um, no. I'm specifically, you know, my interest is is pursuing um, how can that not fail? I guess I'm really, you know, that that's, and I, I don't necessarily have all the answers, but uh, I think there are ways that 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 procedure can lead to effective experience. And I guess when you ask, you know, what does No Man's Sky that does that other games don't? And I agree. I, I don't think it's some kind of stellar um, peak of games or anything like this. Don't get me wrong. Like stellar. It definitely has its peak. Yeah, there we go. Got the pun in. Um, but, but I think what I would say is I think I've never personally seen a game that had the same uh, engagement with landscape as a process and I think that's what, I, what I've taken away from it as a game and that's what keeps me playing it now apart from my search to find a whale um, <laughs> which is my other ambition in No Man's Sky um, is, is a kind of engagement with landscape as a process and as a, as a kind of crazy thing and I, I like this I like to imagine a version of No Man's Sky which is one landscape where there's no uh, spaceships there's no huh. planets there's just one landscape um, going through the variations of this procedure uh, forever, and I think that would be a pretty cool game. So hopefully that's the sequel. <laughs> isn't that isn't that Proteus? Uh, Proteus kind of ends though, doesn't it? And I don't think Proteus has oh, the variety. Yeah. I mean, I think it does relate to Proteus and definitely Noctis. I mean, we didn't mention Noctis, but I, I think Noctis is like definitely. If people are interested in No Man's Sky, go out and try and run Noctis on DOSBox. Sadly, I, there's there's no good ways of running that game. Yeah, I've heard you say that. Maybe it's, Minecraft. I mean, Minecraft keeps going pretty much forever, and it's just a single yeah, landscape. I think I think Minecraft's pretty 
pretty close to that idea, but I think there's, there's a level of uh, virtuosity in, in No Man's Sky that isn't present in, in Minecraft in terms of its generation algorithms. You know, the kind of blocky, um, obvious, kind of cartoonish biomes of yeah. Minecraft are not quite the same. But, but Noctis is exciting. Noctis is a game, it's like No Man's Sky with all of the gaming parts removed, running at a 320 by 200 resolution. Um, and, it, you know, you kind of figure out how to drive the ship that makes no sense, pick a random star, go to a random planet takes probably about an hour to do that uh, and then you go down and it's um just this kind of insane soup of noisy pixels and i don't know it's it's an incredible imaginative canvas in a weird way when did that um, how old is that one uh, it came out in 2000 i believe it's a kind of weird passion project of a guy called alessandro gignola um and people have kind of made versions of it and and you know, it kind of lived on. I don't even know. He still seems to be active, but he doesn't seem to be making anything anymore. And he kind of stopped in, I think, in the year 2000 working on it. Huh. People have made versions of it that make it easier to play and um, add more features. But I think that's kind of, in a way, that's kind of part of this debate. You know, I, I really think that's the wrong intention, you know, to take a take a, a work, a highly focused work of art made by one person with a very specific intention and then go, you know what, it needs a jetpack. And... Um, you know, what about panoramic screenshots? And and I think that's what happens around space sims, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what happened to Noctis in a weird way. So playing the kind of, the CE, it's called, the, the fan edition or whatever of Noctis. It's kind of, I don't think it's the same thing as squinting through the uh, 320, 200 pixel mess to try and see what looks like a creature. But seeing as it's just run off into a storm and you'll never see it again, you will never know. <laughs> um yeah, I'm, I'm curious about that. I've heard about that a lot in in relation to No Man's Sky. Um, yeah, and I guess just to wrap things up, I mean, Gareth, I hope uh, uh, I, it certainly wasn't the intention is to is to say that there's not merit in uh, at least for me, the intention is not to say there isn't merit in in proceduralism in art. I, I find it fascinating, um, which is why I wanted to have this conversation in the first place. Um, no, for sure. You know, I, I, no, I don't feel like that at all. And you know, maybe one day I can make a, I can make a piece of work that uh, Ed Smith will find uh, compelling, despite being procedural. Unlikely. Well, I, I think that's what everyone in the world is trying to do: is make me happy. <laughs> <laughs> trying to please you. Yeah, game developers. I'll get make in. me happy, or it's no good. <laughs> I'll get in line. Yeah. Um, all right, Ed. Do you want to? Do you want to talk it out? talk out the yeah i'll i'll do the outro yeah uh so on that on that bombshell um yeah so that was our special episode on no man's sky which branched out into a special episode on everything uh it seems um i was joined by reed mccarter as ever yeah that's right and you're on i'm gonna do the i'm gonna do your twitter yeah thank you because I, I I usually let you do it, but I'm gonna I'll, I'll take it I'll do it for you. Uh, you can find Reed on Twitter at Reed McCarter, where he shares his his various writings, thoughts, and oh, and um, actually, where I shared pertinent to this, my almost I think almost destroying my No Man's Sky save, uh, and then putting it down. I landed on a planet where I landed on this giant rock donut floating in the in the air. And I went down from it. It was too high to get back up to. Uh, and this place was full of radiation storms and vicious predators. Uh, and Gareth, sweet Gareth, saved me. He gave me <laughs> he gave me advice. 
and I found my way back, and I've set off into space again. If you want to see that dumb shit on Twitter, it's it's on <laughs> it's on there somewhere. You can also then follow the adventures of Captain McCarter of the SS fucking dumbass <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, Gareth, where, where can we find you on Twitter, Gareth? Hi, I am at Jump Over the Age, which is a, a Suda Fifty One quote for those in the know. Um, and yeah, you will find my various bits of kill screen stuff there. And uh, I'm doing a new column for kill screen called Heterotopias, which is about space, uh, not space with the stars, but space with the architecture um, in games. And uh, maybe there'll be some procedural literature publications also popping up there too. Which which Suda Fifty One game is that from? Uh, so um, Suda Fifty One's it, it's from Killer Seven, but Suda Fifty One's first three oh. games are kind of under a umbrella of uh, Kill the Past, Jump Over the Age. Um, right. And I always like the phrase "Jump Over the Age" because it sounds yeah, like it's pretty good. Something quite exciting. Sounds like something like someone would write, like uh, Tristan Sara would write in like nineteen ten, when he's writing his Dada Manifesto. He would write like "Jump Over the Age." Sounds exciting to me. I like I like that Killer Seven. That Killer Seven gets two thumbs up from me. Oh, me too. There you go. Point yeah. we can agree. Yeah, on. there we go. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as well at Most Sincerely Ed, where I'll be sharing my writings and cries for help. <laughs> um, and you can also, as well as listening to this podcast and following this podcast at Bullet Points Pod, you can also go to bulletpointsmonthly.com, which is our new website dedicated not to podcasting but to writing. There we take a single game every month and produce four different articles, one by me, one by Reed, one by Patrick, and one by a freelancer. Our game at the moment is Red Dead Redemption. We're looking to do Deus Ex Mankind Divided in the near future. That's probably what we'll be so, doing when this when this goes up. I don't know when this yeah, will go quite, up. Yeah, so. quite possibly. Yeah, it might already be in the Deus Ex season by then. But yeah, please do have a look at bulletpointsmonthly.com and share it with your friends and uh, parents. And please keep listening to this podcast and of course you can as we always say donate money to our show by clicking the small paypal button on our home page our catchphrase is can we have some money which and it's weird because that was my catchphrase before i started doing this program no me too that's my twitter Um, bio <laughs> Bob Geldof's catchphrase as well, I think. Exactly, yeah, yeah. There's people dying now. Fuck the number. I can't do his fucking accent, that's terrible. Um, once again, thank you for listening and uh, enjoy playing No Man's Sky. Uh, there's a lot out there to find. <laughs> You're an- Bye-bye. You're Bye. an asshole, Ed. Bye. <laughs>